0: You know, Proverbs 4, it talks about trusting the Lord in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And then this portion of Scripture is really awesome. It says, lean not onto your own understanding. Amen. And so we get to walk that out in front of you sometimes as pastors. And so I, I've been wrestling with the Lord kind of like Jacob, hallelujah, he didn't change my name or anything like that, preacher jokes, but you know, I've been wrestling with him about uh, this uh, sermon today, and, and, and I thought I had something and by the Holy Spirit, and I studied it and put it down, and I've got a bunch of notes up here, and then just last night at two in the morning, I just couldn't get like, ah, peace to go this direction. And so I went to bed at 2 and then woke up at 6 and tried to study some more and still couldn't get any direction. And then uh, as I was leaving the house, I just got inspired to go to Exodus chapter (laughs) 3. And so that's where we're going this morning. And uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us there. And then we'll go through it. And if we get to my notes, we get to my notes. If we don't, we don't. But I believe you're going to get exactly what God has for you this morning. So y'all pulling? Amen. I want to start here by saying this. You have a purpose on your life. Amen. And you know, John 10, 10 talks about how the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, he wants to destroy your purpose. He wants to destroy your call. And the reason he wants to destroy your purpose and your call is because your purpose gives glory to God. And as your purpose and your call gives glory to God, other lives will be changed because of that purpose and that call. And the devil doesn't want that. He doesn't want this world being influenced by God. He doesn't want this world being influenced by Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But yet God will use you and your purpose and your destiny and your path and your life to serve as a witness to the goodness of God so this world can experience God. Amen. Amen. And so we kind of see that here in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses. And so today this is what I believe by the Holy Spirit. As I release my faith for you, I believe that impartations will come to you to run your race to do the things that God has called you to do, to be that example, to be that city set up on a hill. Amen? And right now I use my faith to curse any weapon that the devil has used, any weapon that's been formed against you, formed against your life, formed against your call, formed against your purpose. We break it now in Jesus' name. Someone say, it's broken. Amen? And since that weapon is broken, you are now free to obey God. Glory to God. And so here in Exodus chapter 3, it says, One day Moses was tending to the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Medin, and he went to the deep wilderness near uh, or Sinai and the mountain of God. Verse 2, Suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to him as a blazing fire in a bush. Moses was amazed because the bush was engulfed in flames, but it did not burn up. Verse 3, amazing, Moses said to himself, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go over and see this. So we know this as the call of Moses, but the call of Moses, maybe this is where it was identified to him through this burning bush, but it was placed within him from his mother's womb, just like the call of God has been given to you from your mother's womb. Amen. Amen. There's a reason why the devil throughout church history and even today goes so harshly and rapidly and aggressively after children. You know, you can look here in, in, in Exodus, the chapters preceding this, and it was all about killing the kids. Getting rid of the children before they have an opportunity to fulfill their destiny. And guess what? The devil has no new tricks. He's doing the same thing today. But he's doing it a little different. He's trying to kill their call by deception. He's trying to kill their call by what Rick Renner talked about last night, mind manipulation. And he's telling children, you can change everything about you. And what he's doing is he's pulling them away from who they are in God. And he's pulling them away from their call because he knows the generations that will be influenced by them if they can just grab a hold of their call and grab a hold of their purpose and let it be said about you too. The generations that can be influenced by you if you'll just grab a hold of your call. Grab a hold of your purpose. The Word of God teaches us that all are called. Not just ministers. All are called, but few are chosen. The word of God there is teaching us that he has a call for you. But please respond and choose that call. We see in Moses in the chapters preceding this, he sensed that call in his life. I've been called to be a deliverer. Amen. And what I'm ultimately supposed to do is point to Christ, who is the ultimate deliverer. Right? And so he saw his people, the Israelites, being oppressed by the Egyptians, and we're going to read it here in just a minute. And he said, I have to do something about this. And so he went out to defend them, and he ended up killing an Egyptian, and then he buried him in the sand. Right? And so then he went to the Israelites, and he said, why are you letting them do this to you? Enslave you like this, and keep you down like this. Let's go, God. Let's serve God. And they said, who are you to talk to us, the one who's killed the Egyptians? And then Pharaoh found out about it and he was going to kill him. So what did he do? He fled and went out here. And now we pick it up in Exodus chapter 3. But let us be like Moses. When God is calling, don't run from it, run towards it. The destiny he has on your life is not changing, friends. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He's already made up his mind about you. Come on now, he's already equipped you to do his will and do the good things he predestined you to do long ago. Stop running from it and start running towards it. Oh, come on now, we should have got a bigger amen than that. Stop running from it and start running towards it. Body of Christ, time is short, and now is the time for every single person to get in their place and start following the plan and the call that God has on their life. You know, as a teacher, you're not just called to teach. Glory to God. You're called to bring glory to God. As a salesperson, you're not just called to be a salesman or a saleswoman. You're called to glorify God and bring glory to God. Everything you do is so he will be glorified. Amen. And so we have to get past this natural thing and understand that we are all called by God. And so I love how he ran in here in verse four. It says, when the Lord saw that he caught Moses' attention. Come on, people, let the, let the things of God catch your attention. So many things bidden for our attention, but let the things of God catch our attention. God called to him from the bush and he said, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. If you want to be used by God, learn from this, simply be available. When you're at the grocery store, and God is calling out to you, Moses, Moses, go pray for this person, go minister to that person, you know, what holds us back lots of times from walking in the purposes of God? You're as bold as a lion. Don't be intimidated when you're at the grocery store, you live for the King. Well, what if, I th- what if they think I'm weird? Just be weird. I have a saying, embrace the weird. <laughs> Who cares? You know, we got to get past these things. Moses is standing in front of a burning bush that is not engulfed. <laughs> it doesn't get any stranger than that. Be comfortable with strange happenings of God. You praying for somebody at the grocery store so their life can be forever changed by the power of God. What is that? Walking out the purposes of God. Walking out the plans of God. Amen. Amen. Be available to the things of God. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God told him. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I love that word right there, holy and in many translations, it means holiness, and it's talking about a type or a way of life. And yes, even though that is part of the application of this word right here, this word right here, holy, means set apart. Yeah. So you're standing on ground that has been set apart by God. Yeah. And the reason it's been set apart by God is because now I'm calling you into something that is greater than yourself. Friends, your lives have been set apart by God. Yeah. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10 and let's look at it. I don't think we're going to use these notes at all, but it's okay. It's right. Hebrews chapter 10, I believe the Holy Spirit will get you exactly what you need. Now, we've got to read all of this for context. It says, starting in verse 1, the old system in the law of Moses was only a shadow of things to come. Everything points to Jesus. For his glory, for his honor. You remember when David killed Goliath, what was he doing? He wasn't killing a giant that was opposing the armies of God. He was pointing to Jesus. He says, I'm going to kill this giant so that everyone will know that there's a God in heaven. But he's pointing to one that is coming who's going to kill the giant in our lives. That was sin. And Jesus killed that giant. The Word of God tells us we're no longer slaves to sins, but now we're slaves to righteousness. Amen. I'm no longer held in bondage, but now I'm free to obey my new master, which is God. My sin nature used to control me, but it, no lo- it has lost its control over my life. Amen. Come on now. Listen to me. If you're born again, you don't have a sin nature problem. Amen. I'm going to say that again. If you're born again, you don't have a sin nature problem. Amen. Well, why do I keep making mistakes? It's because you've got a bad decision-making problem. <laughs> Right? Amen. That, that sin has been broken over our lives. The devil no longer has control of you, so don't give him control through bad choices. Amen. That's a whole different topic for a whole different day. Now, if we've made some bad choices, what do we do? We go right to him. First John 1, 9, we ask for forgiveness. Asked to be washed by the blood, and then from that moment, we learn from it so history doesn't repeat itself, and then we move forward. See, I believe that Moses learned this. He understood. I tried to do this in my own strength at one point, and it wasn't good enough. You can't do this on your own. You need the help of God. So don't let anything keep you from him or from him helping you. That's exactly what sin and bad decisions do, right? It keeps us from the help of God. Go in a completely different way, second service, than we did first service. God wants to help you. But in order for him to help you, you've got to stay free from these things he's delivered you from. You know at the Mighty Men's Conference we looked at the temptation of Jesus and one of the temptations of Jesus is when he was out in the wilderness for 40 days and he was out there hungry and the devil came to him and he tempted him and he tempted him in the flesh. He knew he was hungry. He said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus had the ability to do that. Right? But just because he had the ability to do it didn't mean it was right. The question was, did God say? Church, when we can get over into the realm of doing the things that God has told us to do, now we start walking in victory every day. Now we start walking in the anointing and the power of God because our lives have come into agreement with God. You go over to 1 John chapter 2 and you read it and it talks about this is how we know we love him because we keep his commandments. Someone say, I obey God. And so when we start making choices that fall in line with God and his word, now we can receive the help we need to fulfill our purpose. To do these things, he created us to do, right? And so he said this is all pointing to Jesus. Christ has done for us. The sacrifices under the old system were repeated again and again, year after year. But they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. You know there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You know guilt's not from God. Where's guilt come from? It comes from the devil. And why does it come? To keep you from your purpose. Guilt comes from the devil. To keep you from your purpose. Moses is kind of having this play out in front of him in real time. Well, I can't step out and follow you. Look what I did last time. I made a mess of it. And the devil loves to try to keep us from moving forward in God. But we got to like be, be like the apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13, I forget those things which are behind me and I press towards those things that are in front of me. Now when Rick Renner last week was talking about rehearsing the things God has done for you, he wasn't talking about rehearsing your failures. Right. He was talking about rehearsing your victories in God, and that is necessary and we should do that. You should rehearse all the times you've gone with God into battle and came out the other side victorious. Yeah. Rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. But when it comes to your failures, you need to be like God. He forgets those and remembers them no more. Actually, the Word of God says He throws them as far as the east as the west. Never be remembered of Him anymore. Come on, someone this morning, just let go of some things. Let go of your guilt. While I messed up, join the party. We've all messed up. But I'm not going to let my failures stop me from doing great things for God. Amen, I'm going to move past him. So why? So he can be glorified. Moses didn't let his failure stop him. Glory to God, but he responded to it. Move forward. Just the opposite happened. Yearly sacrifices reminded them of their sins year after year. For it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why Christ, when he came into the world, said, You did not want animal sacrifices or grain offerings, but you have given me a body so that I may obey you. Someone say obey you. How did Jesus fulfill his purpose? He obeyed the Father. If you're going to fulfill your purpose, you're going to have to obey your Father. Verse 6. No, you were not pleased with animals and burned on the altar, nor with offerings. We're going somewhere. Just bear with me. The offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God. He's quoting Psalms chapter 40 right here. Just as is written about me in the Scriptures, Christ said, I did not want animal sacrifices or grain offerings or any burn on the altar or any other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were acquired by the law of Moses. Now watch this, verse 9. Then he added, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to establish the second covenant. Amen. The first covenant has been gone away. We are now brought into a better covenant with better promises. And everyone said, glory to God. Now verse 10. And what God wants for us is to be made holy. There's that word again that he used with Moses in Exodus chapter 3. To be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Now that word right there means what? Set apart. Sanctified. Now what is sanctification? That means that God has set you apart for his purposes. Everyone say set apart. set apart. We've got a wonderful natural example for this. I used to live with Pav before Angie married him and made him an honest man. <laughs> man, those apartment days were tough. Hallelujah. <laughs> I remember one, one time I came home from work uh, here at church, and there was a, a brand, well, it looked brand new. It was new to me, a set of bunk beds in the dumpster. And I thought to myself, well, Pav and I don't have any beds. Let me just go dig that out of the dumpster. Glory to God. So I went and dug our beds out of the dumpster. and dr- I was so proud. You know what I mean? Like a dog who just dug a bone out of the ground and brought it <laughs> I mean, I was so proud of that. Hallelujah. And so we ran to Walmart just excited about it. We got some Lysol. Hallelujah. And we just bombed those suckers. You know what I mean? Throw like 15 cans in there and just fume the whole room. And just kill whatever's on there and then believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad I've been delivered. <laughs> Rachel, my boo at home, she would never, mm -mm, that stays in the dumpster. (laughs) She don't live by that old saying, another man's trash is another man's treasure. She she says, baby, treasure's treasure. (laughs) I need you to recognize the difference, hallelujah. (laughs) And that's what marriage does, gentlemen, hallelujah. (laughs) And so anyways, I used to live with Pav, and Pav, he's got a real strong sense or desire, whatever you want to call it. I don't want to say territorial, but he's territorial about his milk. And so when we would go to Walmart, we would get milk and we'd bring it home and Pav would get a Sharpie and the first thing he'd do would put it in the fridge and he'd write Pav on his milk. What was he doing? He was setting it apart for his use only. Can I tell you a little secret? It never stopped me from drinking it. Pav's like, where'd the milk go? I don't know, brother. I guess it just evaporated in the fridge. Don't know what to tell you. He wrote his name on it. God has written his name on your life. God has written his name on you. What does that mean? You have been set apart for his use. You haven't been set apart for the world's use? Come on now. You haven't been set apart even for your own use. You've been set apart, sanctified, Holy. What does it say? It says, be holy as he is holy. Be set apart as he is set apart. Why? So you can fulfill the purpose of God that is on your life so your life can bring glory to the King of Kings. Everyone say, set apart. apart. Remember when Jesus went into the temple and they were exchanging money? Selling ox? I don't know, playing poker? Texas Hold'em? Y'all should know this scripture. People use it out of context all the time. Jesus went in there and he flipped over the tables. That part's accurately recorded, right? But why'd he flip over the... He didn't go to someone else's house and flip over the tables. He was in his house. Flip all the tables you want at your house. Go over here and say that. Hallelujah. Flip all the tables you want at your house. But y'all not be at Walmart flipping tables. At Walmart, you're supposed to be glorifying God. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. And what did Jesus go on there? Why was he so, why did he have this righteous vindication? Why he was why was he so moved to do something? Because he saw the temple which is set apart. Set apart for prayer. Set apart for worship. Set apart for miracles. And he saw it being used for something that it wasn't designed for and it frustrated him to where he went in there and he ran them all out. And then, look at this now, as soon as he ran them all out, what happened? They brought in the lame and he prayed for them and they were made whole. Signs, wonders, and miracles. Once the temple got back to its purpose. You want to walk in signs, wonders, and miracles? Then get your temple back to the purpose of God. Don't let this world hijack it. Let's go over here to 2 Corinthians or 1 Corinthians. Don't let the world hijack God's temple. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll just start in 18 because it's, well, yeah. Run away from sexual sin. You know, I shared this a little bit at the Mighty Men's Conference. You know, the Bible tells you that you're supposed to resist the devil, right? James 4, submit yourselves. Chapter 4, verse 7, under the mighty hand of God, right? And then resist the devil and what? He will flee from you. We're told by the Apostle Paul to fight the good fight of faith. Amen? And so when the devil comes to do things in our life, we're supposed to resist him. When the devil comes to do things in our life, we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith. But notice this. Every time you see sexual immorality in the Word of God, God tells us to flee. And this is applicable for men and women. Right? There's certain things the devil tries to do in your life that you're supposed to fight against it, but then there's other things he tries to do. You just walk away from it. I'm not even messing with this. Let me just walk away from it, right? Why? So we can stay true to his calling and to his purpose. No sin sins clearly affects the body, as this one does for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Verse 19, or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Verse 20, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. See, when they were in that temple and they were doing all the things that the world does, it was not honoring God. And so Jesus cleaned it up, just like he cleaned up my temple, just like he cleaned up your temple by the work of the Holy Spirit. He cleaned it up, amen? And so we must understand, I'm not a temple for the world anymore. I haven't been set apart for the world's use. I've been set apart for God's use. And I'm not set apart because I'm a minister. I'm set apart because I'm a child, amen? And guess what? You're a child too. So what does that mean? You've been set apart. Don't let the world hijack the temple. Use that temple to bring glory to God. Just like Moses did. Now look, I I do want to read this. This is in my notes. I found this quote by John Piper. He's talking about glorifying God. He said, glorifying means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect his greatness, that make much of God and give evidence of his supreme greatness in all of his attributes, in all of his satisfying beauty, in in all of his manifold perfections. So I wrote these questions down and I want to ask you about being wholly set apart. Number one, Do we think and act in ways that reflect his greatness? Don't let anyone hijack your temple. Think and act in ways that reflect his greatness. Number two, do we make much of God or are we busy making much of ourselves? Again, I'd like to refer to last weekend at the Mighty Men's thing, we talked about pride. Pride's dangerous. The Word of God tells us that pride goes before the fall. The glory of God's not on your life to make much of you. The glory of God's on your life to make much of Him. Come on now. And when we get a revelation of that, we can go and aspire to new heights. But you can't aspire to new heights if your life is all about you. Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, my true disciples, they pick up their cross and follow after me. I love what he said. Deny yourself. Don't be about your glory. Be about my glory. Are we making much of God? Mr. Miller quoted it during praise and worship. I love that scripture. May I decrease so that God may increase. So, amen. Don't get caught up in the pride of life. There's no victory in pride. Amen? amen. I talked about at the Mighty Men's thing how sometimes Christians even in their testimony, pride oozes out of them. Woo, I used to be a sinner, and I could sin with the best of them. I could drink, and I could party, and I was good at it. What is that? That's pride. You know what that's going to do? That's going to cause them to slip right back into that lifestyle. And so it don't have anything to do with pride. Let's do what the Apostle Paul says. May I never boast in myself, but only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Make it all about him, and that's how we walk in victory. Make much of God. Last one, does our life give evidence of his supreme greatness in all of his attributes? Does my life give evidence? And he is supreme. Does my life give evidence of his supreme greatness in all of his attributes? Now go back to Exodus chapter three. Hallelujah. We'll jump all the way down to verse 9. The call of Moses to be a type and a shadow of the deliverer, Jesus Christ. The cries of the people of Israel have reached me, and I've seen how the Egyptians have oppressed them with heavy tasks. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You will lead my people to the Israelites out of Egypt. Now go. And what was Pharaoh He's, he's not just a type and shadow, but he is a, a, a type and shadow of the world. That's right. And so what is God saying? Now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And what does he say to us? He says, go, I'm sending you into the world. Hallelujah. You are sent. Right. Set apart for his purposes, Amen. right? Isn't that what scriptures tell us in Mark 16, 15, 16? Go into all the world, right? Yep. Preach the good news. That word preach right there, we read that word and we immediately think it's dealing with a preacher. That word preach means proclaim. And we're supposed to be proclaiming God and his goodness everywhere we go. Oh, why? Over in Matthew 5, it talks about doing these good deeds. And as we do these good deeds, it will shine out for all to see so that they may give glory to our heavenly father. As you proclaim the good news of God, just through your life, others will see it and they'll be drawn to it. Lift up Jesus in your life, just like he was lifted up on that tree. And as you lift him up in your life, the same thing he said about being lifted up on that tree, I will draw all men unto me. Your life is supposed to draw people to God. Your life is supposed to be not just an oasis, but a reality where people can come and get nourished. Right? You're supposed to be a testimony of the goodness of God. A testimony of the miraculous power of God a testimony of the faithfulness of God, a testimony of the grace of God. Amen. And so we have to understand that he's called us into the world so we can help the world. Verse 11, But who am I? To appear before Pharaoh, Moses asked God, how can you expect me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Then God called him, I will be with you and you will serve as proof that I sent you when I brought the Israelites out of Egypt to return here to worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them that God is ancestor who sent me, they won't believe me. They will They will ask, which God are you talking about? Here, There's many gods. Right? I, I forget where it is in the Old Testament, but he said, decide which God you're going to serve. <laughs> the God of your ancestors, right? And so we have to decide, are we going to serve? There's many gods. Ooh, let me not just get stuck here, Holy Ghost. There's many gods. But there's only one living God. There's only one, that's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is only one and we've been called to serve him and to serve him with all piety, to serve him with fidelity. We have been called to give our lives to him and him alone. Amen. And so let us not worship all this other false nonsense that's out there that a lot of people are trying to even drag into the church. I worship God, I don't worship people. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 14. They will ask which God you're talking about. Now verse 14, God replied, I am the one. I am the one. I am the one who always is. (laughs) He's saying, before I even give you a name, just know that I am. Just know that I've always existed. Yeah. Pharaoh forgot that there was a God. Yeah. The Israelites, they didn't forget because they were crying out, but they were desiring to see the living God, the one who is. And we know that this is a powerful statement. We see Jesus repeat this in the Gospels, and when he stands up, when they come to get him, they got all those pitchforks and those, those deer antlers, those torches. The Bible says it was a band of men. What's a band of men? Six to 800 to 1,000 men. And they said, we're searching for Jesus of Nazarene. And then Jesus stood up and what did he say? I am. am. And then all those non-believers were just slain in the spirit. There's power in just his very existence. (laughs) There is power in his very existence. Just him. (laughs) Just him being. And then he said, You know, just tell them that I am. God replied, I am the one just told him. Just tell them, I am, has sent you. God also said, Tell them that I will give them some names. The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This will be my name forever and it has always been my name. It will be used throughout all generations. We're here to glorify his name so all generations may know. Now, we don't have time, but if you keep reading, Moses makes up some excuses. Well, I can't go to Pharaoh because I'm a man who stutters. You've called me to get up in front of him and talk, but I can barely speak. Did you know God is not entertained with our excuses? And I love how when Moses gives him those excuses, God just responds back to him. Yeah, you have your excuses, but you're forgetting one thing. I am. And he just repeats. (laughs) Just go and I am going with you. Listen, friends, we've got to get beyond our excuses. Myself included. Get beyond the excuses. Because what excuses will always do is keep you from the plan and the purposes that God has for your life. Well, I'm not good enough. I did this and I did that. There you go again, making it about you when it's supposed to be about him. Right? And then as you make it about him, he'll work with you every step of the way. Right? That's what he told Moses. See that staff in your hand? Throw it down and let it turn into a snake. And then it turned into a snake, and what did he do? He said, now reach it and grab it back up by the tail. And he reached out, grabbed it, turned back into a shepherd's staff, right? And then he said, also, now put your hand inside your cloak. Put your hand inside your cloak when you pull it out. It was white as snow, turned to leprosy. He put it, said, put it back in, put it back in, pulled it out, and it was healed. God said, listen, as you obey me and go in my word and go in my plan and go in my purposes, I'm going to help you every step of the way. I'm going to do, and this is what he's saying about your family. Come on now, whoo! this is good. This is what he's saying about your business. This is what he's saying about your life. As you follow me, I'm going to help you every step of the way. And if it takes a miracle, I'm going to do it. If it takes a miracle for your business, I'm going to do it, but just follow my plan. If it takes a miracle for your family, I'm going to do it, but just stay with the plan. If it takes a miracle. See, God so wants to help us. But we have to follow him in everything we do.